Hello and welcome to Bold Leadership. I'm Colin Pooler, your co-host, and along with Cavis Reed, we're dedicated to the discussions of leadership. We have entertaining conversations on the challenges, learnings, ups and downs, and fundamentals of leadership. Our podcast involves interviews with people across the spectrum of business, public policy, community, athletics, and across a whole range of ages. So enjoy along with us, every guest and every conversation we have. Laugh a little bit, and don't worry, you don't have to be bold to enjoy it. Today's guest is Dr. Gina Grandi, a trained leadership and performance coach, professor and dean for the Hill and Levine Schools of Business. My mother, and we have a great relationship. She thinks I'm gold, all these things. So I say to her, Mom, what do you think my weaknesses are? I said, because they're going to ask me whatever. So here's what she says to me. First, I think you're too generous. And I thought, okay, yeah, I can live with that. The second one was, you're not a very good housekeeper. And I have, whether intentionally or, or otherwise, have surrounded myself with people who give me different perspectives, some of which I appreciate on days more than others, but actually it makes me a much better leader. She talks about being the reluctant leader through leaning in, creating opportunity, and being empathetic through times of significant change. <laughs> well, um, Kavis, uh, Gina Grandy, and uh, Gina was already concerned about, about her hair, but we could Photoshop this. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> Very easy. Well, and my concern is whether or not I actually am an appropriate guest for this podcast. You know, we're not talking about a little bit of hair. We're talking about a lot of hair, and I'm on the bald leadership um, conversation. And so I'm feeling out of place here already. That, 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 that's okay. Uh, Kavis and I make each other feel awkward all the time, so it, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to say you'll fit in very well. <laughs> uh, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to uh, Ball Leadership today. Um, I, I'm your co-host Colin Pooler, along with Kavis Reed, and today's guest, who I'm really so excited that that uh, that she's joined us, is uh, is Doctor Gina Grandy. <laughs> now, she never wants me to call her doctor. I can tell because I don't. Are you not comfortable with that? Well, I, I am comfortable. I'll tell you where I get uncomfortable is when I'm on a plane. So I never register as a doctor because someone gets ill, they come and all I can say is all I can do is bore you to death. I can do nothing to save you. So that's why I am mindful, Colin. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I, that, that, that's great. Well, for folks who, who've never heard, uh, never heard Gina Grandy or don't know who she is, Gina, uh, Gina is... Uh, She's a, a, a professor, but also the Dean of, of Business for the Hill School of Business and the Levine Graduate School of Business at the University of Regina. And uh, she's been doing that role for, it, it's, it's is it six years now or almost six years? Yeah. Would that be right? So as Dean, I'm finishing up my fifth year. Okay. Okay. And um, uh, the, the, a couple of really interesting, and this is where the link for us is, Gina does a lot of work with either uh, coaching leaders, performance coaching. She's got certifications in that. Um, teaches leadership um, and uh, has a group called the Leaders Council at the University of Regina, where she invites uh, business leaders from the community 
to participate in interactions with uh, with business students at the Hillwood School of Business, and uh, it, it's really uh, it's really great to have you have you join us today. Um, Kavis, the other thing that I, I don't think I told you this is, uh, you know, we had Dr. Craig Dowden um, on uh, uh, just just a few weeks ago. We're going to release his cast soon, and he's he's written a couple of best-selling uh, books, but he's also from Newfoundland and Labrador. And um, I'm finding more consistently all these wonderful people <laughs> who are brilliant that come off of that island. <laughs> and Gina is one of those. <laughs> we'll keep importing them, but they have to come to Alberta too. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose. We'll visit, we'll visit, we'll visit. And besides, Cavis, I would say about a quarter of the population in Alberta is actually Newfoundlanders anyway, depending on where you are in the province. Yeah, Fort McMurray. Yeah. <laughs> there is a bar in Calgary that is still there that was also the Newfoundland bar. So I have been, I have been there, I mean, in a lifetime ago. So there, we're there. In pocket. <laughs> wait, wait, Colin, you haven't told her the rules. We don't talk about that city anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Kavis had, had a, we'll call it an incident. <laughs> that city. <laughs> so we don't talk much about um Kavis, Gina gave me a gave me a gift about about a week ago maybe a little more than a week ago uh i attended um a leaders council event and it was kind of a networking event to to get interaction with uh with a number of business students who are brilliant and uh, gina spoke uh, the university president spoke i uh, had a couple of other people uh, as guests as well and i got this i, I got my water bottle I'm gonna I'm gonna show it here. This is some free advertising for the Hill and Levine School of Business. But it, but it's not a regular water bottle. It, it it's got it's got at the bottom it's got this Bluetooth speaker, and it lights up. I actually put colored. I, I you know the the it, there's water in there, but I, it's just water, Kavis. <laughs> but I put um what is that water enhancer stuff in there? Yes. Just yes. to. Yeah, but it like it lights up when you play it. It it is it is absolutely good. listen. Look at this. What is love? I don't think you can see the lights. I didn't know that they lit up actually. Colin who informed me that essentially we gave him a dancing um speakered uh, water bottle. So there you go. Gina, you have to understand something. When, when we had our home renovated, and I, in the kitchen, I, we had those under cabinet lights now, you know, and I wanted, and every time people, like, you know, the, the, the contractor would come over and they'd have an electrician, I would take them aside and say, listen, I want one of those that have the colored lights that you could run with an app from your phone. And each time I would walk away, my wife would go back to them and say, if he asked you to put colored lights, well, we do not want colored lights. So in the end, I did not get colored lights. So I was so excited when I turned this thing on and I put up, put some water and I put it on the counter beside my wife and I had disco lights to go along in our living room. So anyways, it was, it was, it's a, 
I really appreciate this gift. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but I really appreciate this particular well, gift. Well, you've also kind of given us some, me and some hidden information, and I'll kind of take that, plant that seed, so who knows what might come your way in the future, Colin. So here's a warning, right? You, you have started us on this path. Well, if, if it inspires your, your team, then I'm, I'm happy that it, okay. that, yeah, I'm happy that that's happened. And now, now I feel left out. Gave his I will address that following this. So here's what my request is going to be is when I send you your own water bottle, the next time you interview somebody, you have to throw them completely off and the both of you have to put up your dancing lid of water bottles. Um, so I will be with you in spirit. And you're gonna I need that commitment from you. So it's coming your way, but you both have to pull that on your next speaker. <laughs> we have to have different music, though. Okay. What? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I like this. We're telling our age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. Well, Gina. What I, both of us are hoping for for today. Um, you know, we we have these wide ranging conversations about things that either challenge us as leaders or inspire us. Um, sometimes we'll go into depth with with uh, a topic that, that we've either picked up and, uh, or, or, or somebody's planted an idea or a question or having a, we need to have a conversation about this. But we've had the opportunity to be able to talk to people across a whole spectrum of public policy and academics and sports. And, and so, um, so we purposely don't prep anybody for these things, hoping that we could find out bits about their journey, um, their uh, what inspires them, things that are maybe that we're struggling with that that we want to learn as leaders. Because you know, anyone who's got a leadership title, if you, it doesn't take long to realize you know very little. <laughs> Did you get that title? <laughs> so we got to keep learning. So. Um, so we just, we just, you know, hopefully just to have that conversation and uh, if you want to cut up and have some, some good laughs, um, that, that, uh, that that's part of the rules. Don't, yeah, I'll be disappointed if we don't. So I am a Newfoundlander, Colin, right? I'm only, I only said yes because you told me we would have some fun along the way. So I, I hate to interrupt the interview. I just really hate doing this, but mm -hmm. I thought everyone born in Canada, raised in Canada, especially Saskatchewan, knows how to skate. I, I thought that, I thought that was, I, I really thought that was a prerequisite to being Canadian. <laughs> I love this guy, love him to death, he's a brother. However, <laughs> someone's gonna have to explain to me your hockey debut and lack of balance on skates. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Gina. <laughs> you have attempted later in life to learn how to skate. Oh. Uh, has kind of been witness to your um, your learning opportunity. He, he's seen a couple of video clips. Um, so th this, this is what happened this week, right? So there's always something that happened. So this week, uh, we're doing a partnership with, I'm going to give them the ad, uh, with, the, with the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And we're gonna charge him for that now. Yeah, now I'm gonna charge him back because yeah. So, <laughs> so we agreed, 
and like most people, they just say, well, we're going to buy some advertising. Well, that's not really, I prefer to kind of get involved. And my team is at, at the point that, you know, staff work, they're at the point where they just commit me to stuff without asking me. They just say, oh yeah, Colin will do that. So they actually went as far as writing out a script. And the, I got an email from one of our folks and they say, hey, Colin, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, have you ever worn hockey? No, have you ever worn goalie equipment and can you skate? And so my answers were no and no. The reply to that was perfect. So next thing I know, I'm in Weyburn. <laughs> and I, I do not know how to skate. I am I'm absolutely scared of ice. Absolutely scared of ice. But they they got the team in the locker room and we did a whole video series on me walking in and talking about this partnership they got me all dressed up i'll send you a clip of the video after all dressed up in all this goalie gear and they took me on the ice and i my job was to try to make the team and um it, it was i was a bit of a mess <laughs> but the players were graceful absolutely graceful the coach was wonderful they uh you know they they called me out on the ice um i i did my thing actually i got i have my jersey right now, so my question is though colin they called you on the ice but were you unassisted <clears throat> across the ice well, I, 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 I attempted to go out on my own. Um, <laughs> I attempted to go out on my own, and uh, after, I don't know, two or three spills, they felt sorry for me, came over. And yes, each one took my arm, and they kind of guided me like an old lady. <laughs> over to the net, which I clutched onto for dear life. <laughs> And um, yeah, and I, I actually blocked one shot. They, I shot blocked... right at, they shot it right at. Oh, they just they put the puck in front of the, the stick for me, and I yeah yeah that that's pretty much what happened. Okay, okay, yeah, you're a blocky guy as well. I, I think that gives you some advantage once you get in the net. Surely there would have to be some advantage. Well, 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 sure, you know, and I could just lay down, and I'm sure that would. <laughs> <laughs> and I just flail on the ground because I can't get up off the ice. Suffice <laughs> to say, you didn't make the team color. They didn't let me on the team. They didn't let me on the team, and but they were they they let me down easy, <laughs> and then they helped me off the ice again. <laughs> so are you starting skating lessons next week? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I, I you know. There's a lot of equipment. It's a lot of equipment. And it takes a while to learn this stuff. And all I did was sweat. Like it was it was it was a massive like I looked like like a like a transformer with all the stuff on me. And all I did was sweat or perspire. That's probably a more graceful word, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, but here's what I'll say is I think that's a good excuse in the sense that nobody said you had to start with hockey. Right, starting with skating only requires a pair of skates and probably one of those little. Have you seen them? Like a little cart thing that kids who are learning. That's all. That's all you need, Colin. Is our pair of skates and a little cart thing 
to kind of help shuffle you along as you learn. I mean, you guys are you guys are ganging up on me now. Coffee could be next year. Coffee could be next year. This year it could be kind of skating in, you know, the little kid zone. <laughs> so Gina, what he doesn't know is that I've been collecting all these videos he's been sending to me. He's probably forgotten, given that we're at that five zero age now, he's probably forgotten. He sent me video a couple of years ago at the stadium. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that one too. Yeah. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks, I'll probably put together this montage. Of... <laughs> I wasn't wearing skates, but I wiped out just as bad. <laughs> Can you really embarrass him? As I understand it, recently he did a video from a um, a, a portable. Oh. I believe. Oh. Like, you know, this is a man, Cavis, where I, I think you need to try your best. Will you really embarrass him? <laughs> so, I gotta confess. <laughs> this porta potty is a. <laughs> it's, it's an untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to be the host of this show. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Right? I mean, being, uh, having the willingness to be vulnerable and to uh, be embarrassed is, a, I think, a natural part of leaning into leadership. We have to kind of develop a comfort with that. I, I, just, I just love the man, but I just got to tell you, as his agent... <laughs> came back from this so I, I i got back to my office and uh you know i i, I walked in and and everybody's like three people in a row asked me are you okay like how are you no i'm great i'm not no no like like are you sore are you hurt are you like no i'm i'm, I'm perfect like they were really concerned like our staff are really concerned it's like we can't have our ceo go and get hurt playing hockey and he doesn't know what he's doing so after the third person asked me if I'm how I am and if I feel sore, if I'm hurt or anything, I started to go, maybe I do have pain. <laughs> like maybe, maybe this is my opportunity to get some sympathy or something, but it didn't it didn't last long. <laughs> a good sport. So not technically a good sport, but figuratively, yeah. Colin, you're a good sport. It's, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's why we all love them. Yeah, thank thank you, folks. Thank you. Between between getting offered the seniors discount in the store by accident, and this like it's just every week something happens that I did not plan for. Or <laughs> getting donuts and coffee. <laughs> yeah, we won't get it. Yeah, that. Yeah, I walked into the wrong store looking for looking for tea, and they. It was a. It wasn't the kind of tea store I was expecting. Yeah, it was. You, you'll know the place. I won't name the. I won't name the place. But but there is a there is a, a, a famous coffee and donut place that I walked. I went to walk into after purchasing some fuel, and um, uh, it, it, it's a cannabis shop, and um, I just wasn't expecting what I what was there so <laughs> made a mistake <laughs> it happens <laughs> a learning opportunity Colin a learning opportunity but in his defense it, it, 
It was a cold day and I wanted something hot to drink. That's all it was. That's all it was. Oh, we never stay on topic. We have these great guests and we never stay on topic. <laughs> so, um, how do we get back on topic? Oh, gosh. Cabus, you always had the intelligent questions. I just, reading the bio, I first and foremost have to applaud her resume in terms of what they they put out at the university. And one of the biggest things that comes to mind is, is that we're always looking to develop the next leader. We're always saying that the university environment is about developing the next leaders. And I remember a long time ago, many moons ago, being in university and, and how I gained from being around different people uh, and different cultures and different ideologies and how it challenged some of the things I thought and some of the things I felt were immutable were challenged and allowed me to grow. Being in that environment and seeing the next uh, generation of leaders what are some of the things you're observing that they're grabbing now that we probably didn't have back then, way back then? Yeah, I mean, so many things. I mean, first thing I'll say, you're right, um, you know, living and, you know, at the university and interacting every day with the future and current leaders is a gift, Kavis. Like, let's be honest. I mean, during COVID, COVID was hard for so many reasons um, for everybody. A part of it for me was the notion of the energy, right? And having students. So when we were, you know, we were back, not back, and kind of when we were coming back in full swing in March 1st, I was kind of, I warned staff to kind of, okay, the floodgates are going to open. Well, I was in my glee. So, I mean, I say that from a place, their energy is infectious. Uh, what a wonderful place to be around these people learning all the time and so eager. The other thing I will say is that um, every year, well, maybe sometimes every week, I am reminded of how old I am. And I'm hilarious. I have moments. So when someone's talking to me, when the student leaders, I meet with them and they say, Gina, we'd like to get a Slack channel. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> I'm going to, we'll get that for you and I'm going to connect you. So it's one of these things. They're lovely. They're so generous. But I do get these reminders where I think, whoa, like that is like, in, and I've now come to a point where, well, when I went to school, and so, you know, you know, when you're doing that, it's time for you to kind of reflect. But going back to your question, um, here's one of the things I will say, and COVID, I'll start with COVID. I mean, COVID has been, there's no doubt, tremendously hard. You know, we've had students who basically have had two years almost of university in a remote um, environment and while I would say you know one of the benefits now we have is increased accessibility but many of our students coming back this year will have a very different you know had a very different experience of what my experience would be around University of Life and so but there's a gift in there I would argue as well I mean one of and I can tell you about it later if you want but Sometimes when you're leading and it's kind of mini crisis or major crisis, it's really tough, but these are gifts to us, right? You learn to kind of be calm in tough situations. One of the things I believe as we come out of COVID and the pandemic and as our younger new leaders are growing and reflecting is they, I believe, will have a different set of resilient skills able to flex 
um, in the face of crisis because they've survived, right? COVID in a learning environment, whereas many of us, and I think as we get older, it gets harder, kind of when you face those things for the first time, you just think, whoa, I can't do this anymore. So that's one thing I'm going to say, Kavis, is that I believe that many of our students now have had a live case study of what it is to adapt in um, really difficult situations to how do you actually gain resilience, learn resilience. And I think that as tough as it's been and as tough as it continues to be for some of our students, uh, they enter the workforce with a different set of experiences than most of us had upon finishing graduation. So that's one thing I would say. The other thing I'm going to say is, in, I mean, I have to speak partially from my own place, which is in the business school. And Collins talked about how amazing the students are here in the business school. They're so eager. You know, they eat things up. I mean, I love their energy and enthusiasm. Here's what I'll say. Their willingness to experiment and try. And, you know, if we can harness and create a context, sometimes we're not always great at that, Cavis, right? In the sense that we have our structures, we want to teach it in a certain way. But if we're able to do that in our classrooms, but also in the extracurricular activities that we're doing, like they're amazing. The, the ideas they come up with, the creativity, the innovativeness. The other thing I'm going to say, if I can, is, you know, with our business program, half of their courses are not in business. What I hear often from business students, we want more business courses. What I look at and I say is, actually, no, I want you to do more courses outside of business. So go take a, a, a media a course. Go take a music course. Go take a computer science course. I met a student today who told me that actually she's doing an elective and it is the sociology of addiction. Um, and talking, you know, just because she has to do electives. They wouldn't do those courses otherwise. I would argue that we're doing, uh, we're giving, I'll say, an opportunity for students to have, you know, background in art, background in economics, in different areas. They will make better leaders as a result than some of us who may have gone through kind of a very structured, whether it's business, engineering, whatever it happens to be. So, you know, their energy, their enthusiasm, um, and, and I think for many of them, you know, we see when, we're, when we give them the opportunity in this context, what they're able to do. And quite frankly, most of them are smarter than me, Cavis, right? You know, we make jokes where we say, actually, um, when we start looking at applications for even people coming out of, say, PhD programs, but even with our students, when you start looking at the amazing things that they're doing and you just think, yeah, okay, if a different time, different place, I wouldn't get myself because that's kind of the, the, those are the types of people who surround you in universities, um, which is wonderful. You know, Ed, I, I really appreciate you talking about that. I, I the one element that I, that from my own experience coming through, um, and, and I, I graduated from um, uh, the Levine program, it, it wasn't the business acumen focused kind of courses and, you know, and the instructors were great and the content was great. Where I really grew was from the others who were around me. Um, much to Kevin's point and much to, to, I was able to get exposed to people who were in different walks of life that were in different professions. And it'll, it, it gave me an opportunity to be, to develop, you know, further compassion, um, being empathetic, hearing stories from, from others and where their life's journeys were as, as we were, you know, we became a cohort coming through. Um, 
And, you know, that was really, I felt that was really important to my uh, leadership formation, um, the journey that, that I was on at that time and I continue to be on. And, you know, and I often say it wasn't necessarily the university class, but it was kind of this combination of things that were very important to be relatable and engaging as, as a leader, because that's more and more we're, we're being asked to, to, to be that person um, for everybody, you know, and, and, and there's a tremendous number of demands on it. So um, I really appreciate you, you speaking on that. Can I ask you, you talked a lot about COVID. You mentioned a few times and you and I've had a couple of conversations kind of in the midst of COVID where we're trying to figure out how to use our, our Zooms and our, um, our... Doing that, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, one of the things that I really appreciated in my converse, one of my conversations with you was just how you personally felt for the people that that reported to you that like I could see a genuine care for those that that you work with that are under your care and i could you talk could you talk about that and and how critical that that is as a as a leader yeah i mean i'll say a couple of things around kind of maybe lessons i've learned um during COVID as it relates to the compassion but i'll start from one where i'll say not my best day if that and i, and I think you know, so I have a relative, I, I generally, I hope, I strive very hard to be empathetic, I'm compassionate, all those things, but I also have a relatively high tolerance for ambiguity. So that's a, that's a strength, but it also means sometimes you can have blind spots. So, you know, we almost immediately, you know, we were pivoting, we were doing whatever we needed to do to support. But I am going to be honest that we were in maybe a month or so, and I was very, you know, um, tried to do their best we could for my colleagues, staff, faculty, or students. But I, I, if I'm honest, I, I remember having some moments early to say, this is going to be fine. This is going to be fine. Like, you know, you know, we'll adjust all those things. And we were in about, it must have been maybe a couple of months in. And I, and I think I was blind in some ways, Colin, to the extent to which it was really difficult for staff and faculty who were working alongside of me. And in part, because of my high tolerance for ambiguity. And so one of these things whereby sometimes you kind of, and I had had a meeting and someone had said something and really hit me, and I thought, whoa. Gina, take a step back. And here's what, I mean, at the time, what we did was we put together, like I thought we were being really supportive. I think, oh, we're doing this. So you have to be careful. You think you know better. But actually, I don't think I really understood the gravity of what people were, were, were feeling and kind of how hard it was to ship. So what we did almost immediately was I put together a, a working group that I didn't sit on, made up of faculty members. And I think we had some staff, but primarily faculty members um, and I wanted to know kind of how do we respond and how do we create the learning environment. And so I met with them a couple of times, but I left it to them because again, it was the notion of what I realized was actually, I don't fully understand what our students are feeling, what our faculty members are feeling and how do we actually, um, you know, how do we adjust and what do we need to do? What was wonderful was that group worked over a number of weeks, a few weeks, 
Um, we had student surveys, the types of things they did. And so they sent a, a report to me with a number of recommendations for the dean. And what was great is I actually could implement most of them. And so it was actually a really, I mean, it, it might say dean is so insignificant. What was important for me at that point was me recognizing that I was, I had a blind spot and how we can actually fall, even, you know, like, oh, I've been here before. It's fine. I'm being supportive. But as a leader, you really need to pay attention to actually, you ha we have blind spots and we need to have mechanisms and people in place who either we trust or are going to have the courage to say you're missing something. Or that we're building processes and procedures in place to make sure that you're always having somebody or something or a process so they can flag those things for you. Now the second thing I'll say to that is, is uh, so that was one thing and, and we implemented and you know listening to people and I learned a lot. The other thing I'll say that I think was interesting, well there were lots of things, but partway through, I mean I again I thought, again fairly resistant, I'm fine, not affecting me, I'm still coming to campus, I miss the people, I'm fine. We were maybe a year, a year and a half, so maybe it hit me later than other people. But I had this period where I would say, and I always say, sometimes we have dark days, right? Mm -hmm. As a leader, kind of dark days where I, what I had noticed was I was I was losing my kind of drive. You know, when you get up and say, oh, I'm so excited about this. And kind of having these questions to say, why am I doing this? You know, and for me, I'm one of these people who feed off the energy of the people around me. Well, if there's no one around you, how can you feed off that energy kind of thing? And you can't really replicate that. We did some great fun things, but you can't really replicate from Zoom. But I'll tell I'll, get, I'll tell you after about what we did for one of our holiday parties, though, when I said I can't do any more Zoom parties. Um, but the other thing that I learned was I thought, why? And so I remember having to go back to kind of, why do I do this? What's important to me? And what I love about the privilege that I have is actually either in big ways or small ways. I have the privilege of fostering and creating opportunities for people and that's what gives me energy. So we were in about that year and a half in and so this is what I would do. Every morning when I wake up the first thing I would say is for whom am I going to create an opportunity today? And made sure kind of throughout my day even if it was the smallest thing. But I say that as well as in regards to lessons around empathy because I think that isolation affected all of us and I think affected people in different ways and it is really really important and so for me as a leader what it do was what it did was draw me back to why do I do what I do every day and in this gap and even you know when the provost said to me Jeannie you're going to put your name forward for a second term you know what I said to him initially I said if you tell me I have to make the decision today it's no I haven't told anybody that it's no and I said I need to see we're going to get back and we're going to have people in place and I said and then we'll have another conversation kind of thing we were coming back and it was all good but so I say that to you is, yeah, I, I, I do try to be empathetic, but I have blind spots and we all have blind spots um, that we need to create mechanisms and have people around us that help us see those blind spots. In, in that regard, you, you mentioned a lot of things that I think are very important is surrounding yourself with people that can see what you are not able to see. Is it as equally important in your opinion to a lot of leaders quote unquote, are, are intimidated of having strong people around them because they feel threatened. How do you, how do you 
teach against that? How do you educate the value and importance of having people that are very intelligent, intelligent, very innovative, very creative, empathetic, etc. Before king goes to war, queen goes to war, they have many counsel, um, wise counsel. How do you address that kind of thing in terms of educating your students? Can, can, can I can I just tag on to that? Because well, yeah. I didn't know this role is that you teach, but you, you also have the ability, you also have done a bit of coaching with, with people too. And so, you know, if you could share, share, you know, that, that context, that would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I will say is, um, whether good or bad, being in an academic setting, I can tell you, Kavis and Colin, there's no, um, there's no day where you have to worry that someone's not going to share their opinion about what you're doing wrong. Okay, and we have kind of codified processes through which we're able to share that through our collegiate governance. We make better decisions, I think, as a result. But I would say the nature of of academia is such that um, if in case you forget um, and your ego kind of gets you kind of you get carried away, someone is going to put you in your place pretty quickly. So I say that from from that place. But here's what I'll say back to. And I think this applies to wherever we are and what you're doing. I mean, I've never thought I'm the smartest person in the room. And and that's really important. I, I am fairly comfortable and confident in who I am. I learned a long time ago that it isn't. And, and I think sometimes it's hard not to kind of engage in some kind of comparisons, you know, and those types of things. But so I'm not saying I'm perfect in that regard. But I have learned that actually um, I am able to make an important and meaningful contribution. That um, I I am ambitious. Um, you know, I like having competitive fun. But I don't need to be first. And I've never believed that in order for me to do well, it means somebody else can't do well. And that framing is really, really important because that's that. And if people think of someone's ambitious, you kind of think, well, I can't share this information. I can't give it. That's not my philosophy. My philosophy is that actually I can do well, but so can other people. And that's really, really important in regards to surrounding yourself by people and creating opportunities for people. I have tried hard to, I'll say, be willing to invest in the people who are around me, whether they're my colleagues who are kind of our associate deans or faculty members who want opportunities. And sometimes I'll shoulder tap and we invest. We often, we sometimes, I'll say lose those people because they go on to other opportunities, but that's not a loss. My hope is that they pay it forward to someone else. I have a responsibility, I believe, to, to help foster and create opportunities. Going back to, though, that comment around having people, it's hard. I mean, I can tell you one of the things I'm most proud of is when I look to the leadership team of those people who are closest to me, so we call it the Dean's Executive Committee, my goodness, we're a different bunch in regards to, their, and they're also different to me. Um, and, you know, I always make this joke. So I'm pretty decent at numbers. I quite like numbers. I'm not an accountant. I make a joke where I say I like having at least two good accountants around me at any time. Um, and, you know, what's really interesting is on the leadership team right now with me, we have somebody who has a, is finance, 
somebody who's accounting and someone who's operations management. And I can tell you at a first glance, people would say that you could not get any more different than me. Most people who think about me see me as quite, I'm making judgment, you know, quite emotive, relational, people-oriented, and kind of, you know, going on intuition. I make, you know, I, I, love, I love data. And having those people around me, I would say compliment me so well and they see different perspectives. Now, it's interesting, Kavis, though, I have moments, and I remember Eric Dillon talking about something once similar. But you're at the table, and I have to—I'm not going to lie. You're sometimes you bring an idea forward. You know, you think again that notion. I got it sorted out. This is what I want to do, and here's what I'm intending to do. And of course, they give you all this feedback about why it's not a good idea, why we need to do it differently, all these things. And I'm not going to lie. I have my internal voice is kind of like, come on. I mean, mostly that does not come out, but usually then after the meeting, you know, I reflect and, and it's that reminder to me that actually I have, whether intentionally or, or otherwise, have surrounded myself with people who give me different perspectives, some of which I appreciate on days more than others, but actually it makes me a much better leader. Um, and what I also love is I hope those people would say that they feel comfortable telling me that um, that we disagree. And, and one thing related to, we have one person I work with, lover. I love them all, like, they're so great. What I love is you can go down, I think there's a mutual respect and a trust, and at the end of the day, we have a commonality and we want to do what's best for our students and best for the institution and our colleagues. And there's a mutual respect. But what I love about that relationship is I can go down and we can start, once she can be here, and I can be here. We don't get angry, but we're going at it back and forth. We almost always end up in the middle. But what I love is I can leave and go down the hallway, and I could come back a few minutes later, and it's as if the conversation never happened. Like that's the kind of when you talk about creating a leadership team, that you know that's the type of thing you need to have people around you that actually you can disagree, but you are respectful of each other. And when you make a decision, you're able to move forward together. Sometimes we have to agree not to disagree. And I think once that trust is there and people know you will change your mind, right? It isn't only Gina's way. Sometimes it will be Gina's way. But I, I believe when there's been enough trust built up and people know and you explain why you're making the decision, or even if I say right now we're at a point where sometimes I might have said, I can't tell you why right now, why I have to make this decision the way that I am. And there is enough trust for those people. And with me and between us. I mean, that's when you talk about coaching and leadership when you surround them. But that also means you have to trust the people around you. Um, you know, and, and if I reflect on my leadership journey, if I'm honest, you know, when I started in my decan, my dean role, I think in many ways I probably was a bit more kind of, okay, here's the vision, here's what's important to me. Um, and I would say it took a year or two for us to kind of get in alignment in the sense of them knowing what matters to me and what doesn't and kind of how we move forward, how what I know what matters to them, I hope, um, and we move forward. So I think, you know, whether or not they have the same depiction of our relationship, but, you know, they're still here. You know, uh, and, and the ones who have moved on have moved on to other dean positions. So, you know, that's not a, I don't see that as, as a failure. So it's hard. I, I can be hard, but, but you have to be willing to have it. But the trust 
is absolutely critical. Absolutely <laughs> critical. Gina, my, well, I guess it's almost, it's really two questions. How'd you, how'd you get so smart? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to you. I've done a lot of things wrong. <laughs> a lot well, of things wrong and still. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, then the, the second question is like, what was your journey to get to get to here? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, we all made mistakes and stuff, but I mean, you're you're the caliber, you know. Quite honestly, you're the caliber of people that that um, you know very very well respected. And and Camus, I didn't even say this, but I mean, she's she's on the board for uh, for economic development uh, agency, and and I mean, they're driving the economy, right? And and so. You know, Gina rubs shoulders with some with some pretty big folks, and and I, I'm like, okay, well, okay, how'd you get there? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, here's what I'll say. I mean, it's interesting, um, Colin. When I reflect, I mean, one of the things I'll say when you talk about kind of coaching and where we invest, I have spent, and and I don't I don't know if I do enough of it now, but I actually spent a fair bit of time, you know, in becoming a coach also going through my own reflective journey and those things. So I, I, I have a relatively high sense of self-awareness. Uh, sometimes, as you said, there's blind spots. But that investment has helped me, I think, a lot in regards to knowing my own vulnerabilities, knowing the things that are important. And I think for every one of us, it can be hard, right, sometimes to hear feedback. It can be hard to face some of those things about yourself. Uh, we are all fragile, right? We are all fragile, but I think that would be part of it. But it's interesting when you talk about my journey, Colin. Um, you know, even from, you know, high school, those things, very active, involved in lots of things, um, you know, sports, you know, leadership things. What's really interesting, though, is um, and even as I started into my, my career in academia and industry and that type of thing, I would describe myself as a reluctant leader. So I was, you know, I'd be heavily involved in committees, I would be on boards, I was vice presidents of certain associations. But what's really interesting is when I was often given the opportunity to be what I perceived as, you know, the person. Now you learn later, there is no the person, but mm -hmm. whether it's the president or the chair or whatever, I would actually, I would step away. So I had this kind of comfort with I wanted to be kind of in these, uh, be a part of kind of leading and moving forward. But for whatever reason, I kind of would step away. And so, I, you know, even in universities, there's research lead. I'll tell you a story. Um, at the time here, and I've had so many opportunities here, our associate dean was going on administratively. Our dean at the time, so just for six months, said, called me in, and you'll laugh, it called me in, Andrew, it was called me in and said, Gina, yeah. so would you take on this role for six months? And I didn't even have I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and then I stopped and I said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. So, I mean, I might have said, thank you very much, absolutely not. But I said, but I'll tell you what I do. I'll, I'll sleep on it over the weekend and I'll come back to you on Monday. In the end, I decided I would take that role, in part because I knew it was six months. I had a really good working relationship with the Dean and I saw it as a kind of learning opportunity for me. You know, it later changed into then the, the, the Associate Dean's role and then became the Dean's role. But even when the Dean's role came up, um, I would not have applied. There were several people who shoulder tapped me 
Now, some of that I would say is gender related. Women mm -hmm. often will kind of shirk away from those kinds of things. But it is interesting to me because here's one of the things I will say is that sometimes other people see things in you that you don't always see yourself. And that's why sponsorship is so critically important. So I leaned into that and, you know, I have, you know, I'm going to say, you know, it was like, it was a learning curve like this. But the other thing, Colin, was I had the um, opportunity that if I wanted um, kind of the interim associate, interim dean who was actually a longtime associate dean. If I wanted that, they could come on as a year as strategic advisor to the dean when I started. Now, not everybody oh. feel comfortable with that. I had a great relationship with that person, and and I said absolutely. And so I think it was a great example of the institution also investing in me. Um, I did not feel threatened by that person alongside of me. Um, we had a great working relationship. Um, and so I say this because I would say institutions also have to be willing to invest. Um, and kind of I leaned in, right? Kind of give it to me, whatever's coming. I take it as a learning opportunity. Had some great colleagues. Thank you for joining us for part one of a wonderful and insightful discussion with Dr. Gina Grandy. Please watch out for part two. It's coming soon.